0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Agile Weekly Podcast. I'm Drew Weir. I'm Roy Van And with us, we have Mark Levison. Uh, Mark, could tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: So I'm um, one of Canada's two certified scrum trainers. I'm based in a part of Canada called Ottawa, where it's already dark outside, even though the rest of you are still looking at sunlight. Um, and I have been in the Agile business one way or another for going on about 12 years now. Um, and I do a lot of writing on a blog and these days I'm spending a lot of time writing about, uh, a scrum master named John and all the problems I throw him, um, as he and his team try to wend their way through the agile world.
0: Okay, great. And so, uh, the article that we read that, uh, that caught our interest was, uh, scrum master tales, new people on the team. And you talk about John and he's struggling, uh, with a new person who's on the team. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: So, like like any organization, John's team grows, and at the critical moment, they, they decide they need a bit more senior technical help. So, they hire in a character named Kirby, and, and Kirby, if you read about him, he's got over 20 years' developed, experience developing software. He thinks he's seen and done it all. Um, it turns out that Kirby is very, very loosely modeled on me. Um, Um, So Kirby just sort of strolls into the team and just starts throwing his elbows around. And he's extremely knowledgeable and and very skilled, but he's not very human-skilled. And so he's thinking a lot about um, what's wrong with their code and very little about their personal needs and understanding um, how they came to that position.
0: Okay, great. And and one thing I liked about uh, this article is we throw around uh, this a lot, the, the concept of forming, norming, storming, and performing um, as kind of phases of a team. And you mentioned that when some person uh, gets added onto the team, that
2: process starts all over again. For the entire team, not just for that individual, right?
1: Yes. So I I like to think about it. The way I illustrate this when I'm running a a CSM course, I have a group of people sitting at a table and, and by the time we talk about this in the course, they've already formed a fairly tight team. And they're often sitting a lot closer together. So I simply walk over as the instructor, pull up an empty chair, and jam myself in the middle of this table and start pushing people to one side. And, of course, what happens is that, I don't do it too rudely, but that ripples around the table. And people start to realize that even though they weren't sitting next to me, when I moved in uh, next to one of their colleagues, their position on the team got affected. Mm -hmm. And so my claim is that that's the same, you have the same outcome when you introduce a new person to a technical team, um, even the people two hops away uh, wind up finding their role changed as the new person comes in.
2: So how do you um, – what's the fastest way to, to onboard somebody? Like if you've got a new person coming in, how do you just rush through the forming, norming, and storming stages and just get to performing as quickly as possible? Like is there a quick path or is that something that I, needs to I, take its time or –
1: I wish there was. It's funny. It it comes up um, in nearly every one of my courses, um, and nearly everybody, I I have a little test at the end, uh, not the Scrum Alliance test, but my own personal test, Mm -hmm. to make sure we understand what people have really understood, and in every course, I can guarantee you at least two people will answer the question about conflict, uh, to which the answer is, well, conflict is natural and can't be avoided. They will answer conflict can be avoided with skillful scrum mastering mm-hmm. S- sadly no um, I, I've not found any skills yet which allow us to avoid conflict we uh, there's no better way to deal with it than to simply allow it to happen and to get through it so
2: I, I've seen a few or I've been on a few teams even that uh, wanted to kind of jump the idea of conflict through essentially a form of hazing. Where they wanted to have like a gauntlet for new new team members to run through, what what kind of impact would something like that have on the team?
1: Wow, Um, that does not sound like a great idea. I I, uh, my first my first thought is that puts the it puts the new person in a position of weakness and possibly fear, uh, depending upon how bad your hazing rituals are. Um, I I went to a university where the hazing rituals were fairly unpleasant. and it puts the existing people in a position of power, and if anybody really wants to think about just how dangerous that can be and how far it can go, they should read some of the original prisoner experiments from the um, i think it was the mid sixties i can't i can 't remember the uh, the were, author's name were those
2: ones uh, in response to the uh, nuremberg trials
1: uh, i 'm thinking of one called Prisons We Choose to Live in i think and It's a series of psychological experiments where people were recruited, and some people were made guards, and other people were made prisoners. And uh, very quickly, evil and not good behavior started to evolve. Um, So the the gist of it is that sounds really quite dangerous. That sounds like it sets up power relationships, which are not very good. Sure. Uh, I've not encountered that before. I'd have to go give that a lot more thought.
2: Yeah, I think luckily the the team that I was uh, that was on, or one of the team members uh, was pushing for that. I think the team ended up rejecting it, so we didn't actually go through with it. Which I I think as I agree with you. It would have been a dangerous idea. I think it kind of stemmed from the idea that a, a team seems to form quickest when they have to rally together around a uh, like some kind of crisis, right? Like, that, so, like when there's a need for the team to form, or even if there's a in lack of a crisis, if, if the team has a strong vision. And I think that might have been kind of the driving force behind it.
1: So uh, a crisis is exactly what it takes for team formation. Um, luckily, in Scrum, we usually get the crisis fairly quickly. That's one of the joys of Scrum, I point out. I, <laughs> in my course, I simulate this. I actually use Scrum to run my course so i have a burn down i have a back uh, the course is a product backlog there isn't a printed agenda and we have our first crisis at the end of sprint 1 when it becomes clear we cannot achieve all of the material we've set out mm-hmm. so then we have to do some radical reprioritization um that usually has the desirable effect of throwing the team into crisis in, in the sense of a real scrum team maybe maybe not in my csm course mm-hmm. um so I, I don't need to create artificial crises. Um, they usually take care of themselves quite nicely. That's a good point. And um, Honestly, I've never seen a team that didn't, after the first few sprints, uh, quite naturally start trending into um, storming. Um, my, my favorite analogy is, um, if you interrupt me and I'm in the IDE, um, your interruption had better be damn good. There, that actually better be a serious reason. If on the other hand I'm browsing cnn.com, hey, any old interruption is good. So um, that that's the beginnings of storming there. I, I'll, I'll yell at you if it's a, if it's a non if it's a I won't really, but I, I, I might pretend to yell at you if it's not very good interruption and I'm in the ide and I'm doing something I think is valuable, and I might be more open to it when it's um, uh, when it's just cnn.com. So
2: earlier in the. Uh, uh- Earlier you mentioned about um, people answering that skillful Scrum Mastering will allow them to avoid uh, conflict, and, and I've seen that in the past where there are individuals that are so against the idea of conflict that they'll, they'll do anything to prevent it from happening, even when they wouldn't even be involved. So like, like for example, Scrum Master just hates conflict so much that they, they would try to prevent it. Do you, it, you had mentioned that it doesn't really seem possible to avoid the conflict, but is it healthy to even try?
1: Uh, in fact, it's even worse. If you try, you'll probably set the team, for, you'll probably set the team back. Um, I try it all too often myself. And what I find happening is you, you say to, uh, I can't remember that. I think it's time, uh, uh, Kirby and, um, Kirby and Martin, I'm pretty sure are in conflict. Um, so, um, Let's say we go to Kirby and Kirby, would you please stay in clear of Martin's tasks for at least the next two weeks? Mm-hmm. Mark, would you please stay clear of Kirby for the next two weeks? Well, I haven't really resolved the problem. All I've taken done is taken two warring parties and told them to back off. Mm-hmm. Um, a much better solution, a, a real solution to this problem. Um, requires getting them to talk. I, I, I might first take them out. I might first take them individually out for coffee, just so you can hear hear each of their sides. Uh, a, a great scrum master spends twenty to thirty bucks a month on coffee or <laughs> tea, if that's your preferred beverage. I like that. Um, so take them out each individually for coffee, hear hear their respective sides, um, and then if this is an ongoing issue and it isn't just the first time, then maybe bring them together and see if they can create working agreements. But the point is you don't ever actually do anything on their behalf. Mm-hmm. You simply help them come to the conclusions that they need to come to. Right. And in
0: your article, you mentioned a lot about that, <clears throat> where the scrum master, you know, it's very important for the scrum master not to take a side or, uh, or to remain unbiased. Um, that's got to be hard for a lot of people. You know, can you, can you uh, elaborate a little more on that? How is that possible?
1: Well, and it's hard for a number of reasons. A lot of organizations have part-time Scrum Masters, Mm -hmm. and the part-time Scrum Master is usually a developer. So at the moment we have Kirby come in, Um, Kirby's going to see John as the Scrum Master slash developer in that case, and he's going to assume that John is still friends with, is primarily friends with all of the existing people. So now instead of seeing... Um, John is someone who's playing uh, playing the role of neutrality and, and balance. He sees John as another friend of those developers who aren't churning out very good code, someone else to do battle with. Um, uh, there's no great solution except that you have to win people over a little bit at a time and you have to be seen at every moment there's an opportunity. You have to be seen as being neutral. You, you have to make it clear that there are no signs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That your job is the care and feeding of the entire team, and not just any one individual, um, and that can be really difficult. Right, uh, and that—that that, frankly, I, I suspect that'll be just as much a problem in the Kanban-y world as it is as it is in the Scrummy world.
2: Sure, I think I think we find a lot that most most of the problem. I think uh, we we just published or about to publish a podcast in which uh, Derek talks about. Most of these most of these problems that we're seeing in teams have nothing to do with the process. The process just seems to highlight them and 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 almost exacerbate them. But really, the 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 point of the process seems to be that we need to highlight these problems so that we can attack them. Right? Like Scrum's not going to solve your problems any more than uh, Kanban or uh, any other processes. The important part is to cycle as often as possible, get some feedback, and and get better.
1: Well, exactly. I I shock people in my course on a regular basis by um, making the rather bold statement, Scrum has never solved a single problem. Hmm. Um, Scrum merely helps you see what problems you have already. Uh, People are shocked. They think they've spent a lot of money to get their problems solved, and they're very little surprised when I explain that no problem will be solved.
0: I like also in your article you you talk about uh, if the team had been more involved in the hiring process from the beginning, uh, some of these problems... It it would avoid some of these problems, um, or or maybe avoid bringing a member on who wasn't a great fit. Uh, We've actually done that. I've been in a setting where that where we did do that, and it was great. You know, the whole team got to pair with uh, the 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 potential hiree or hire, and they got to decide as a team is this a good fit for us? Um, How about you? Can can you share a couple more experiences or or an experience?
1: I've seen a few examples of that. Uh, sadly, nobody ever, in, I never got the chance to do that when I was actually employed, um, um, working for real companies before I moved into the consulting world. Um, my favorite example of that recently goes one further. The, the folk of Menlo Innovations in Detroit um, go one further. They get the candidates to pair with each other. The thinking being if you can make the person you are supposedly competing for a job with look good, you will make every one of your peers look good.
2: That is an awesome idea.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking for someone who'd like to ha- have me run that as an experiment with them. Uh, by the way, please don't take the foregoing as legal advice in the United States of America. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> but that sounds like a really neat idea to try. I, I, can't, I can't imagine that as an interviewee, though, getting getting paired up with another interviewee that I'm competing with and trying to make them look good, Like that's, that's going to be tough. But I really like the idea of, of trying to see what comes out of that.
1: Well, and I suspect if I, if I tell too many people about it, the secret will get out and maybe the secret sauce will be lost.
2: <laughs> That's true. Well,
0: good. Well, th- well thanks a lot for uh, for joining us on the, scrum- on the Agile Weekly podcast. Um, uh, if – for those of you listening, uh, feel free to participate in the conversation at facebook.com slash agileweekly. And uh, Mark, did you have anything uh, – any last words, anything to share with the listeners?
1: Um. Yeah, don't don't stress when you see your team going through storming, uh, forming, and storming. Don't stress over it. Let it happen. It, it, it's it's going to happen at the pace it happens. There's nothing you can do ex, except watch and you know keep an eye uh, Think of yourself as a sheepdog and, and uh, uh, not a not, not a leader.
2: Cool. And if you get a chance, uh, Mark's blog can be found in the uh, in the excer- in the description of the uh, of this podcast.
0: All right. Thanks for joining us. Yep, thank you, Mark. Fantastic, guys. Thank you. Good night. Uh-huh.
1: Is there something you'd like to hear in a future episode? Head over to integrumtechcom slash podcast, where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at AgileWeekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. The Agile Weekly podcast is brought to you by Integrum Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona. For old episodes check out integrumtech.com or subscribe on iTunes.